1: Learn more at marines.com. Full of frustration. Full of despair, despair. From years of hurt, disappointment, and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. This is the MLS UK Show. And just like that, we are back once again. Season 2, episode 23 of the MLS UK Show. My name's Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. Here's what's coming up for you. We may have just dropped a podcast yesterday, but it's time we previewed the playoffs with a special guest this time.
2: Yes, it's a man who's played in MLS. He's played in an MLS Cup final. He presents for MLS and he also hosts the movement. Kaylin Carr is our special
1: guest on this bonus episode, the second leg, if you will, of uh, MLS UK shows preview of the
2: playoffs. Here's what happened. Welcome to the MLS UK show. I'm delighted to say, joining us now on the show, we've got a guy who's had over 100 appearances in MLS, a goal scorer in the 2012 MLS Cup Final. He's host on Extra Time Radio. He's on The Movement as well. Joining us from New York is Caelan Carr. Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Thanks for having me on the
1: show. Hey, Caelan. It's awesome to speak to you. Thanks very much for for giving up your time so close to the playoffs. I imagine you're a busy man today and, and all of this weekend.
0: Yeah, well, today is um, uh, just some preparation, but I mean, it's a lot easier being on this side of things. There's a little less stress, uh, a little less drama, and a lot less pressure than being on the playing side. So I'm enjoying kind of being able to sit back and uh, watch the matches, and uh, we've got some good ones this weekend.
1: Definitely. I I think it's fair to say as well, before we get into this, despite watching MLS for for a little while, I think I went to my my first game when I was on holiday in in Orlando in 2016. Um, Since we really began to take it seriously and and cover the entire league on this podcast, you, Kaylin, have been an inspiration, especially with the movement. You've educated us on the movement, definitely. Oh,
2: wow.
0: That's awesome to hear. I mean, um, yeah, part of the cool part has been getting to go around to these different places, and for me even... Uh, I guess, learning about MLS, the culture around it, because as a player, you really only get a sense of, you go to one Marriott to another, and you eat the same chicken and rice dish at every hotel lobby, and you don't get a chance to really go out and experience the culture just because you're so focused on the match. So now when I go to a match, um, I really wanted to kind of delve a little bit deeper and explore places that I'd been before or hadn't been but um, didn't quite maybe get a good feel of, or didn't understand maybe some of the deeper things that are happening around the city. So it, it's been cool, but it's it's awesome to hear, uh, especially that it's growing abroad um, and that people like shows like this exist um, in the UK and just people uh, all over the world are starting to pay more attention to MLS.
2: Yeah, well, uh, of course, not to put any pressure on you, Kaylin, we're going to talk about when you came over to the UK in just a moment. But what's been your favorite uh, episode and where's been your favorite place to go explore on the movement? Wow.
0: Um, the one that's popping up right now is we went to Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, we went there with Marlon Harrison and Justin Mapp. And we kind of looked at, you know, we know that MLS exists in all these places that you would expect, but last year we decided to go to some places you wouldn't expect. Jackson is definitely one of them, traditionally an American football town. So um, to see it, a group of players, it was uh, Justin map first, then Marlon Harrison, Omar Epps. Um, a lot of players now are starting to come from Jackson to come through um, the youth ranks and then finding their way to MLS. So I, I really like going to the places that you wouldn't expect. Um, we all know Southern California has great – um, has great soccer, has great football. Same with Texas, Florida, a lot of the bigger states, New York, New Jersey. But trying to get off into some of the nooks and crannies of North America and beyond to see how uh, the sport is growing there.
1: I think that's definitely kind of something that I agree with, and that's what I mean by by an education. Like I've been to California and I've been to Florida, and I think it's really nice to see. The places we don't get to to watch, maybe that don't have an MLS team, that maybe don't don't get so much coverage.
0: Yeah, no, I mean because for MLS to really matter, it needs to matter in places beyond just Portland and Seattle and the places you already think of it. It has to be appealing to somebody in Yarm in the UK, which I did go visit for the movement, which was also really <laughs> cool. Um, it has to uh, exist in. Yeah, Jackson. There was people. We went to Costa Rica. We went to a little small beach bar in Costa Rica, and people wanted to watch Kendall Waston play. It was from that small town, so uh, I I think more and more trying to expand the reach of MLS and figuring out maybe why people are interested. I, I was so fascinated, especially coming to the UK. Why, after watching the entire weekend of Premier League or Championship matches. Why on a Sunday night would you wanna to go to a pub <laughs> and meet me and watch like an MLA, I think we saw Seattle play Dallas. It was it was amazing to me, but we had a really good turnout. Um, it was probably about ten, fifteen people came to the pub to hang out, have a pint, watch a match and uh and I think people have different reasons from saying, Hey, like my team is never gonna win a title, I'm we're in the sixth tier of English football and, uh seattle might be my best chance i went on a trip there kind of like you said how you went to orlando um, and kind of just getting a, a different chance or maybe saying the idea of a, of a tifo in in houston all, all these different ideas are, are are a fandom now and it's so much easier to get um exposed to different parts of the game
1: you've you've hit the nail on the head there caitlin Kay- I, I mean um, I, i'm a norwich city fan myself henry's a bolton wanderers fan at the time where I first went to my first MLS game Norwich City were an absolute joke and uh, unfortunately Orlando have kind of gone down that same route since (laughs) I adopted them but um,
0: (laughs) we're not going to blame you for
1: that Um, but you're exactly right what you say you've you've been to Orlando you've seen the smoke you've seen the march to the game you've seen the atmosphere despite the terrible results and and I think um, everybody in the UK has got a space in their heart for for an MLS team And, and that's why we've been amazed at the growth in in this podcast and and at mls over in the uk because it's just growing and growing and growing um you mentioned you spent some time over here what were your impressions first of all of did you get a sense of how big mls was over here
0: well i also i will say that i did get some pushback and the episode does begin with i was outside of a stoke city match uh, and they were about to play against man city And I went up to these little kids and uh, I don't know if they were, they weren't in the academy. They were just little kids coming to the match. And I'm like, hey, are are Americans any good at football? (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 no way, no way, no way. And I think it's like kind of, I think some of it is real where there is that perception for sure. And I, I did meet some people who sort of spoke that way. But I also feel like in some ways it's sort of something you just can't admit. I think there has been a fair amount of Americans that have come over and um, earned their way and earned their um, respect, whether it's the goalkeepers like Tim Howard or Brad Friedel, Casey Keller, some of these, uh, Brad Gazan who have come to the Premiership and done well, or, or players on the pitch, whether it's a guy who used to play with Brian McBride or Clint Dempsey or Jeff Cameron or the like. So um, I think there has been some respect earned there. Um, and then I, I think in some ways maybe American American soccer or those who are interested is a little bit of a guilty pleasure um, <laughs> of something a little bit different. Um, the The style is different. The style of play is different. It's It's a little more even, uh, more expressive. Or some, especially now with the way MLS is going, with a lot of the Latin players that are coming over. And yeah. I would even add some of the players that have come abroad from MLS as of late. Uh, I, I feel like Miguel Almirón. I do Sky Sports news hits, and they ask me all the time about Miguel Almirón. And it's kind of funny because a year or two ago, I would always try and insert him into the conversation when it was mostly just questions about Rooney or Zlatan. Mm. Um, (laughs) And then all of a sudden, I think people saw, oh, wait a minute, this is a place where young players from Latin America can come to MLS and then maybe kick on and find their way um, to some of the bigger leagues over in Europe. So um, there's a lot of different paths to earning respect um, and then in some ways, I think it's just a matter of uh, feeling a little bit, I think the league is becoming more self-confident now where it's saying, okay, well, if you have, maybe you're a purist and um, you, you don't, the, the TIFOs or the Celebration Orlando kind of throw you off or um, it's, not, it's not for you, that's okay. Um, but I think for the people that are really starting to open their minds to something different, um, I'm definitely seeing that growth.
2: Yeah, I mean, I um, I, we when I went over recently to Orlando, even though I'm an Atlanta fan, obviously I had to keep my mouth <laughs> shut about that. But um, <laughs> I went over to Orlando and and yeah, the I the next episode, I came back and I said I said. If anyone in the UK, if you get the chance to go to the States or Canada, get it to an MLS game, it's it's a different way of doing things. And did you find that, whereas I know you say in at the end of the, the movement episode, you say, oh, I know you've got 100 years of history, but why not start, start from scratch? Is that what you found is that, yeah, we've got our, our things we do in the UK and we've done them for 100 years. But in MLS, you're doing things from the start and you've got this blank canvas.
0: Yeah, I think it's a challenge and an opportunity. I mean the challenge part I think to me is obvious where just now this is the first generation where some of my friends, I'm in my mid thirties, are um, have young kids and they played in MLS. Um, and you know, if their kids were too young to see them play or, or or otherwise now they're taking them to matches and I think this idea of like family bonding over generations through a soccer club. Um, It's really interesting and something that I think will eventually grow in MLS where, um, you know, somebody will grow up um, uh, like a fan of the club where I I didn't really have MLS. It didn't even exist until I was in high school. So I didn't dream of playing in MLS. It just sort of appeared in front of me, luckily, uh, just in time. But um, I think the opportunity is that you can you're unburdened by some of that history. You can do things differently. You can uh, decide you can create your own rituals. I think you know, Atlanta United is a perfect example of that, where they've got hip hop in their chants because that's very Atlanta. They've got a supporters group called Footy Mob, which is a playoff of the Goody Mob rap group. They've got the Golden Spike, looking at the heritage of of the city and the transportation center, and so. Um, and then they've kind of got more of like a college football, the Gulch with the pregame um, kind of party. So it, it's just in some places that would feel like you couldn't do that. And so the idea that they could make it their own, they don't have to necessarily replicate something um, that's existed before. To me, it is really cool. So that that's something that I think is definitely a positive for MLS. And um, it's cool to see all these new teams popping up. And even in the lower leagues now, um, there's the team where I'm from Oakland roots is a brand new club. That's doing some really interesting stuff in the community and, um, kind of doing it their own way too so even the lower leagues are, are not just MLS are starting to kind of embrace the sport and do things their own way uh,
2: now just before we talk about the the playoffs coming up you said that uh, you always tried to get Almeron on into your Sky Sports News sort of uh, bulletins um, are there any players in MLS at the moment now who you've you've earmarked thinking they could go over to the Premier League or Europe
0: well, I have been looking around. I mean, the Paxton Pomykal is a player that I really like. Um, he just re-signed a new deal with um, D.C. United. I was just in Dallas last week doing a profile. Um, but often it's it's the players even a couple steps below that <laughs> that you don't even know yet. Alfonso Davies, to me, came out of uh, relatively nowhere, where he was a young talent player, and you hear maybe things of, of like. In a year or two, he could be really special. And then next thing you know, he's starring um, in MLS and getting a chance to go to Bayern Munich for a huge transfer fee. Um, There was a kid I met in Dallas named Ricardo Pepe, who will be at the U-17 World Cup. Started playing for the Mexican national team. uh, The U set up as a kid now um, has chosen the U.S., so we'll be playing in Brazil with them. But um, I watched him play in the USL match in semifinal, semifinals, scored two goals. So it's, it's often a player that's just below the surface. I can't think of too many right now where I'm like, absolutely, this young player is a no-brainer who's mm. going to be going. Um, but it's, it's, if you're watching the U-17 World Cup or the academy system, um, that's kind of the hope for me is that in a couple of years, some of those players are going to be the ones to... To really break through
1: in MLS, hundred percent. You can imagine how many people contacted me to uh, to do a, a little piece on Almiron when he when he joined Newcastle. Um, a lot of Newcastle fan groups, and I told them, I said, "I'll oh, he'll he'll, sc- he'll have an assist. And he'll he'll score within a couple of weeks." And I've been made to look very stupid, but I still believe that that he's got it, and I believe he'll he'll definitely be a success. Um, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk playoffs. Um, the top seven sides from each conference have a spot in the twenty nineteen playoffs. Are they the 14 teams, Caelan, that, that you expected if you were looking back in March? Who's surprised you a little bit?
0: I would say Minnesota United surprised me. I expected them to get into the playoffs, but I didn't expect them to get a top four seed in a home game. Mm. Um, that was that was definitely a, a shock for me. And then New England, I think, on the other side in the Eastern Conference would definitely be the surprise for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, even if he would have told me halfway through the year, <laughs> I yeah. would have been shocked. There's no way. So, Yeah, uh, I, I
1: noticed you know, uh, I noticed that Arena was not up for coach of the year, but I think he's definitely got a shout. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I saw some statistics saying that Bruce Arena has only missed the playoffs. He's only failed to make the playoffs one time in his 14 years coaching in MLS. And it was a year where he took over the first year he took over the Galaxy, which I believe was he joined in August. <laughs> so not much he could have done there. And then ever since then, we saw what he. Created with that dynasty there's just there are just some coaches that um know how to win and know how to win at at, that specifically at this time of year and bruce arena is definitely in that category you do see in england where uh, maybe a a manager who's not going to be the guy for the full season comes in at the end when you're fighting to stay up or you're, you're you're challenging for promotion or whatever it might be and so um i think there bruce arena would be a perfect guy for that i think he'll also be great to go um, the distance with this club and really put them back on track, which I think he's already, you know, clearly starting to do. But um, just winning matches in these time of year is, is so difficult, um, and in the
2: back half of the year when things get tight, so he uh, he understands how to win those matches. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right there. And it's it's interesting for us who are in our, uh, our third, uh, second season doing this, third season watching it religiously, how we noticed that uh, there are teams that is, we joked at the start of the season saying, well, part one of the season until the summer, it, it, we might as well not pay attention because part two is going to be completely different. and. <laughs> It's gonna the lower league's gonna change. Um, you mentioned obviously uh, that Galaxy side. Of course, uh, you yourself played in the MLS Cup Final 2012 against Galaxy. You scored, but ended up losing. LAFC have been the stars of this season. I don't think anyone can doubt that. Uh, have they been the best side we've ever seen in MLS, or is that side that you played against, at like Beckham, Keane, Donovan, in it? Could are they the you know wait, who do you think, how do this side rate against the other sides?
0: Yeah, oh, this one's a hard one for me because everybody, uh, the inclination is just to say that this team is the best team we've ever seen. And, it, and in a lot of ways, they are. I mean, if you look at all of the statistics, if you look at all of the, um, all of the numbers and even the style of play, um, they are. I, I still have trouble, and maybe this is just by virtue of uh, proximity of just being closer to it. I think some of those uh, Galaxy teams, especially when you look at what they were able to do over time, over years, um, winning multiple titles, that those teams to me are, are ranked highly and then also um, seeing some of those D.C. United teams early as well. So, but, but I think you know it's not to take away at all from what LAFC are doing. They have been uh, fantastic. I've never seen a player doing the things that Carlos Vela has done this year in, in Major League Soccer at all. Um, I just think his, uh, in some ways, like not playing for the uh, Mexican national team, I think, has really kind of taken a weight off of his shoulders. Where he was fantastic last year, went to the national team, went to the World Cup. It's kind of hard to leave, build up to a huge moment like that, and then come back. He didn't have the same um, strength or, or, I guess, uh, commitment in the second half of the season, and they fell off pretty quickly. So I, I, what he's done this year has been amazing to watch um, and, uh, and has clearly made them the clear favorite. I mean, they're 16 points clear of the next team in the in the Western Conference. This league is designed so that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be a place where you cannot get that huge of a lead because there's just such tight margins between these teams. That's what makes it exciting. So to see a 16-point gap between one and two speaks to the job that uh, Bob Bradley and LAFC have done.
1: You mentioned uh, that uh, Carlos didn't play for the Mexican national team. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because especially looking at this weekend, you've got Atlanta taking on New England Revolution. They're going to be without uh, Robinson at centre-back, as we know. But then Flo Pogba's not an option to come in because he's just flown, He's just played two full 90-minute games and flown back from Alicante in Spain. Like He's not going to be good to go. And at this point of the season, it's crucial that players are kind of with their clubs, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's... I know Atlanta United was frustrated about the way the Robinson deal um, was handled. And they thought he shouldn't be playing. and So that is always going to be um, an issue with clubs and international teams. I think the one positive is that at least this happens, uh, I don't know, I, I, there's really no positive on the player getting hurt, but that we tried to change the system um, so this didn't happen during the playoffs. So there used to be an international break in the past many years in the middle of the playoffs, So I'd play in Houston, then Brad Davis or Boniac Garcia, and these guys would leave to their national teams. And you'd just hope that they wouldn't get injured, and then they'd come back. And even just the travel and all that is it, tough on guys. Um, so the idea was to get this international break, come back, and then play the whole playoffs. But now we're seeing a couple guys getting injured or dealing with um, the mileage of going through that. So LAFC doesn't have a lot of internationals, which is uh pretty unique for a team that that is that far ahead and really unique when you think of your star player um electing to not play for their national team so uh with that and then also another week of rest um it gives them a huge advantage
1: definitely before we let you go caitlin we, we've seen your your bracket you filled out your your mls playoffs bracket oh it's, god i it... want to change that already right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> i'm gonna change it after this weekend
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm probably gonna have to change mine as well um it, it, you've gone for LAFC overall now it's it, it does it take a brave man to to state otherwise surely they have to be the favorites but we've seen them randomly get beaten in a one-off game by Colorado during the season anything could happen
0: yeah no, I have picked them to win I've noticed over the last several years that MLS is getting more to a place where you can clearly pick a winner uh, I think before, and maybe my Houston Dynamo teams benefited from this, <laughs> uh, it was a lot easier to just sort of join into the madness, play um, play playoff soccer, and understand how to, to win these tight games. Um, I think that's going to become more difficult, especially with the home field advantage throughout the playoffs and then the one-off home uh, matches for the higher seeds. Um, so I think – We looked two years ago, I remember thinking Toronto FC before the playoffs that I'd be shocked if they didn't make the final. Uh, I said the same thing about Atlanta United, and uh, LAFC feels that way to me. The one difference to me is that the style of play, and we we hit on this a little bit, but Atlanta United changed their style of play last year. They went more defensive in the playoffs. If you watch their match against New York City at Yankee Stadium, they basically just kicked New York City off the pitch. There was nothing pretty expansive football about it. And then they used Almiron and they used Joseph Martinez on the break, uh, their pace and and uh, talent, to be able to create an opportunity and, and set pieces. That's the formula that I know um, from playoffs and what works, even for a team with the talent of Atlanta United. So the idea that LAFC is going to play this beautiful, expansive football and spread the field and use these patterns of play, that might go out the wayside when either Minnesota United or LA Galaxy come in And just try and kick you. So I think uh, that is the one question for me is, is will they change? Will they be a little bit more pragmatic, even in moments? It may not need to be the whole game, but can they in the tough moments when they're under pressure play a little bit more? I don't know. Just roll up your sleeves and grit it out a little bit because there's going to be points where they're going to have to do that. Um, but now that I'm saying that, they'll probably run away and win three nil and play beautiful football. So, <laughs> uh, but that that's going to be the challenge. That's definitely going to be what what I'll be looking to see from
2: them. Um, and Kaylen, just before you go, looking across the city, of course, Zlatan's made. Uh, well, Zlatan's just doing Zlatan at the moment, especially in the press. Is is he the man who could uh, push LA Galaxy through the uh, the MLS Cup final playoffs? Well,
0: that's the fun part about it. Is that it could all. It could go that way, or it could all just uh, just you know crumble down in some huge disaster. <laughs> and So it's like you don't really know what to expect from this galaxy team, and and um, the big matches they tend to turn up, especially against LAFC, and then against Houston or Vancouver, they just completely land egg. So I don't really know what to expect from this team. I, I I think they'll they'll get up for it, and if they if they win this first match. Um, which I've actually picked Minnesota United to win. Um, I, I, if the Galaxy can get by that one, I think against LAFC, I give them a real chance. And and I think there's some sort of psychological barrier that LAFC have yet to be able to break um, against the Galaxy. So uh, it's not unthinkable that we can see Zlatan and the Galaxy go far, but I could also see them losing 3-0 in the first match. It, it's just... <clears throat> Uh,
2: that's the way the season has gone for this team. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Elliot, with you, has gone for Minnesota to win. I've gone for LA Galaxy, but I I love the drama and I would love to see an LAFC, LA Galaxy uh, match in the playoffs. So, would yeah. uh, amazing. Now, uh, just finally, Caelan, we really appreciate how much time you've given us, uh, but I need to ask about Chicago Fire. Of course, one of your former clubs next season, they're going to be back at Soldier Field. Are you excited to see how they do next season and how they progress?
0: I am. I really am. I think this is a a really good fresh start for, um, for the club and a much needed one because it just seemed to be for the longest time that it's just been kind of slipping away there. And I was a part of the club in the first year we went to Bridgeview. We had enormous, uh, crowds, really great excitement. We went to, um, back to back Eastern conference championships or championship finals. We didn't win them, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) we had a real energy about us. We had Cuauhtémoc Blanco, the Mexican legend on our team. So we had had a huge fan base, but uh, over time, one coach leaves, another one comes, a lot of changes. Um, The results aren't there. The fans start to waver a little bit, um, except for section eight, the the real supporters group behind the goal. So it just hasn't been a really compelling product on the pitch. And I think they would have to admit that as well. So, Um, And then the one sort of insight anecdotally was just whenever I would ask people to come to my games or if they'd come to a game, so many people would say, oh, I I used to come as a kid when I was at Soldier Field, when the games were at Soldier Field, where's your new stadium at? And even then you start to say like, oh, well, the city, it's more like Wrigley Field. People want to have a beer. They want to go to the game. That's like the downtown scene in Chicago, especially for sports, the Bulls. Uh, the White Sox, the Cubs, um, the Blackhawks, all, all the teams that are right down there. So I think for Chicago to go back to Soldier Field gives them a real opportunity to kind of capture some of that energy of the downtown scene again.
1: Fingers crossed that they can uh, make the playoffs next year. Kalen, um it's been a massive year for, for growth uh, here in the UK for MLS. It's been great to see you on Sky Sports uh, most weeks and it's definitely been great to, see, uh, to, to have you here on the MLS UK show. So thank you very, very much for your time. Cool. Thanks, guys. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. There we have it. Uh, actual legend, such a nice guy. He's given us so much of his time on, let's be honest, the Friday before the MLS Cup playoff start, literally tomorrow. I know he's got a very busy day. So, so good to chat to Kaelin Carr.
2: And if you haven't watched the movement, which is on the MLS uh, YouTube channel, check it out. There's four seasons of it. Kalen presents it and he goes, as he said before, he goes to the UK, but he also goes to Jacksonville. He's been to Orlando. Mm. He's checked out like DC. And uh, if you want to learn more about like the fan sort of experience in MLS, Check them out because they're great. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to our other interviews as well. We've had Mo Adams of Atlanta United on. Uh, We've had uh, Greg Ranjit Singh of Orlando City. Adam Grimwiss of Orlando City. Dane St. Clair of Minnesota United. um, Tom Barlow from New York Red Bulls. Exactly, yes. So uh, check them out. And also, if you are enjoying what we're doing here on the MLS UK show, you can do us a favour. You can give us a rating. But, Elliot, what's the rules? It has to be five stars. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, because anything less that will actually hurt us. So, uh...
1: <laughs> Yeah, make sure you subscribe so that you get the, uh, the podcast as soon as they drop. Enjoy the playoffs. Thank you once again to Caelan Carr, and we'll catch you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh.